Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. We went in a series called Reset, and last week we talked about the decisions that we make and how our decisions matter. Even little decisions matter. Like when we are making decisions, we should be asking ourselves, where is this leading me to? So we're in this, in this timeline of life. We're going through life and um, there's stuff that we've experienced and there's places where we're going. We all have aspirations to end up somewhere good, right? Uh, you know, in spiritual language, we want to end up in heaven. We want to be with Jesus, right? But the questions we should be asking ourselves, are those decisions that we're making today getting us to the place that we want to be? And that's what we should be constantly asking ourselves. Am I going in the direction you want me to be? And it's the decision I'm making right now taking me there, right? In fact, sometimes we make decisions. We want to go there, but we make decisions today that don't actually lead us there. And then we scratch our heads and why am I where, why am I, where I'm at right now? Well, because you, you have made decisions that have got you to that place. The Apostle Paul talks about this as a law of sowing and reaping. That you will always reap what you have sown. And so every decision that we make is like a seed that we plant in the ground. And that seed is going to bring forth a harvest. And so what, are, what decisions are we making? Now, here's what I understand. You know, most of us get this. To some degree, degree we understand this. The, the ripple effect of big decisions. Like you buy a house. You get married. You know, you take a new job. You, you see those decisions that you make and you think, these are big decisions. And you understand the impact of those big decisions in your life. But I think we often underestimate the cumulative effect of small decisions that we make. Like in between all the big decisions, there's 10,000 small decisions that we're making. Day in and day out, day in and day out. And so every decision is an opportunity to become more and more like Jesus. We call this sanctification. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So today you made several decisions. One of the decisions you made today was to come to church. Is that decision contributing to you becoming more and more like Christ? Well, yes, it is. Some of you may have made a decision. You're not here, obviously, but others have made a decision. You know what? I'm too tired. I want to go to church. That decision is making an impact. Every decision, every decision can take us towards him or take us away from him. And so some of you this year, you look at 2022, and you're saying to yourself, I want 2022 to be better than 2021. Like, I want my marriage to be better. I want my finances to be better. I want my relationship with God to look different than it has been. So how do we get there? One decision at a time, one day at a time. And that's where we've been. That's what we've been talking about. Today, we're going to talk about a very important area of discipleship. And I'm going to ask you to reset your thinking in this particular area. And that area, you might already know it, what it is, is money. We're going to talk about money today. Some of you are like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Church is always talking about money. Uh, well, yeah, you know, like you haven't been here in three years. The last time you were here, we talked about money. But, but that's not true. We don't always talk about money, number one. <clears throat> but you know who actually does talk a lot about money? Jesus. In fact, in the Gospels, if you read through the Gospels, he talks more about money than he does about faith, 
then about heaven, then about uh, you know prayer. Like prayer's a big thing in the church, right? Yet Jesus talks more about money than he does about prayer. And I think the reason why, the reason why Jesus talks about so much about money is because he understands, he gets it. That money, more than anything else, is a gauge of where our heart is. In fact, he says it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want to know where somebody's heart is, just look and see where their money goes. It'll tell you what they value, where their heart truly is. And so Jesus talks about a, lot, a lot about money. And what's interesting, he never took up an offering. Uh, he didn't own a house. He was homeless, you know, and, uh, and yet... And yet he talks a lot about money. Another reason I think that Jesus talks a lot about money is because he understands that money is God's chief competitor. Especially in Western culture. In Western culture, we, historically, people look to money to do for them what oftentimes God should do for them. Like you want security in life. You want happiness and wholeness in life. And oftentimes what we do is we look to money to provide that. And what happens in the process when we achieve some of those goals, those financial goals, well, is God really necessary? I mean, is he? Like, do I really need to pray to God because I have what, I've, what I want that's provided by money? And that's why Jesus really reminds us in the Lord's Prayer. He says, when we pray, to pray this way, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Why does he say that? Why does he include us praying for daily bread? What what does that have to do with anything? Like, I don't need bread. I want a steak once a week. What he's saying in that, he's saying that every day we should stop and pause and look at our lives and say, God, I am dependent on you every single day. I'm dependent on you every single day. And so... Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, you can't serve two masters. He doesn't say you shouldn't serve two masters. He says you cannot serve. It's impossible for you to serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. You will hate the one and love the other. It is impossible to serve two masters. He's gonna talk about money and today, today we're gonna look at this and he's gonna talk about money, but he's not gonna preach about it. Instead, what he's gonna show us in Luke chapter 21 in four little verses, he's gonna show us, kind of point, direct our attention to a poor widow woman who's going to teach us more about money than most of us have ever understood in this passage. Now, we need this because I know that, this, that it's in this area where we tend to kind of have all of our, you know, we, 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 we're settled in how we think about money. Like, you come to church, and I might talk to you about prayer. I might talk to you about fasting. You're like, oh, Pastor Rich, you're so right. I'm going to start doing that. You know, I might talk to you about discipleship in other areas. But then when I start talking about money, you're like, oh, yeah, the Bible does say that. But I'm going to do whatever I want to do anyways. Because we're pretty settled in this. And yet, what we oftentimes need in our discipleship, and this is really what discipleship is all about, is about, you know, we're, taught, we're told to teach others to obey what Christ has taught us. And we don't usually like to emphasize that word obey very much. But sometimes in obedience, our lives, our understanding of things gets turned upside down. And we say, okay, God, I'm just going to do what you want, even though it's totally against my nature. It's totally against what I think. But I'm going to do what you ask me to do because you're calling me to obey you. So let's look at Luke chapter, one, chapter 21, starting with verse 1. 
It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the, the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, he's talking to his disciples. He says, truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these, talking about the other people, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So here's the image. Here's the context. They're standing outside of the temple. As you walk into the temple, there's this beautiful temple. You go into the temple to worship. Part of worship was giving. And so as you're walking into the temple, they had these, uh, these, they were called trumpets. There were these um, bronze receptacles that would come out of the side of the wall. And the, the people would walk by, and as they're walking by, they would have, you know, the currency of that day was primarily coins. So they have these coins, silver coins, co- copper coins, or different type of coins, more value, less value. They have these coins, and they would toss it into these bronze receptacles. And the idea is that as you would put the coins into these bronze receptacles, they would make some noise, right? So it's kind of an ordeal. As you're going into worship, you're kind of announcing that you're going into worship by making noise in these bronze receptacles. In fact, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, talking about this very same story, says they would throw their coins in, like with the intent of making noise. Like, who's gonna bring the noise today? That's basically what was happening. And so you can imagine there's a whole crowd of people standing around watching people walk in, and as they're walking in to give their offerings, there's somebody, they, saw, they see somebody walking in, and oh yeah, that's, a, that's like a Versace robe he's wearing. Those are Prada sandals. He, man, get ready for the noise. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of noise coming down because look at that, that person. They would measure these people based on how they looked and how much they would actually put into, into, the, into those receptacles. <clears throat> But what we're going to notice here is that heaven hears things differently than what we do. Because there's this poor little widow woman who has two copper coins. Those copper coins, they're called a mite. They were so thin that literally, if it was a windy day, you could throw it up and the wind would just blow them away. That's how, that's how thin it was, just copper coin. And... Uh, this old widow woman comes in and she puts in her two little coins and nobody noticed. She's poor. Nobody's paying attention to her. She's not dressed nicely. Nobody like you know, they're like probably even saying, who is she? Why is she even here? Right? And she puts these two little copper coins in and you know, nobody noticed, but in heaven there was this roar going on. Because heaven heard it. So much so that Jesus takes note of this poor little widow woman who puts these two little copper coins. And look how he characterizes it in verse, verse three. This poor widow has put in more. That's the word. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. Now, we should take issue with this word. This should be, this should be a hang-up for us. Because, well, she didn't put in more. Now, at least not how we measure more, right? Like, two copper coins is not more than a gold denarii. This doesn't make sense. See, because for us, the way we measure more, more is like a math thing. Like, more is more. Less is 
Less, right? I know, you're like, Rich, what's, what are you trying to say? Well, more is more, less is less. Like 10 is more than nine. How often is 10 more than nine? Always. 10 is always more than nine. Unless Jesus is talking about more and then he uses the word in a completely different way. He says this woman puts these two little mite, these two little copper coins, which were called a mite. A mite was one sixty-fourth of a day's, an average day's wage. So if you make $8 an hour and you work for eight hours, that's $64 you would make in a day. One sixty-fourth is $1. So she puts in $1. That's it. Very small amount, right? That's all she has. And that's what she puts in, but that's what Jesus noticed. It gets Jesus' attention, right? And he says, she's put in more than all the others. We're going to get back to what that means in a second, Jesus' definition of more. But here at Life Church, one of our values, if you are walking towards the bathrooms, you'll see these big posters. One of our values is generosity. And, uh, and we really want to live that out here at Life Church. We've done our best, sometimes imperfectly, to live out this idea of generosity, at least the way Jesus defines generosity. We've, we've tried, we want to, and we continue to do that. Part of it is that we're a church that believes in the Holy Spirit, believes in the moving of the Holy Spirit, believes in the leading of the Holy Spirit. One of the metaphors in Scripture for the Holy Spirit is that he is wind. He's characterized as wind. And that we don't really get to control the wind. The wind blows wherever it wants to go. And the way that's defined for us, the way we should respond to the Holy Spirit being wind is that we are like the ship who raises the sails and say, okay, take us wherever you want to go. We will go. And that's what we've tried to do as a church. We'd raise our sails and say, Holy Spirit, lead us. Take us where you want to go, especially in this area of generosity. And so in the last couple of years, during a pandemic, the Holy Spirit, as we were raising this, as we were all confused, we were all wondering what's next, what's going to happen to the church. We said, Holy Spirit, we're just going to raise our sails. And we raised our sails. And guess what? We launched two campuses in the last two, in the last two years. That's not, it's kind of crazy. Why would we do that? It doesn't make any sense. And yet we felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us there, right? So we launched a campus in Cedar Rapids. You got Pastor Jairus and Abby, who are the campus pastors in Cedar Rapids, doing a great job. They're watching right now. We have Raphael and Leslie, who are also watching right now in our campus, new campus in Wilton. We launched Cedar Rapids in 2020, in the fall of 2020. And then in, in the fall of, uh, of 2021, we launched Wilton as well. And so <clears throat> it's kind of crazy. Some of the funding to be able to do this came through something we call Kingdom Builders. I got my little Kingdom Builders jacket on, right? It's a cool jacket, isn't it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, so some of the funding came through Kingdom Builders. Last year, our goal for Kingdom Builders was $425,000. Um, and you gave $418,000 last year. You should, yeah, you should celebrate that. That's right. That's pretty amazing. But let me tell you the miracle of this, okay? Because I'm going to try not to spend a whole lot of time on this because I need to get back to the passage. But um, the construction in Wilton last year, prices skyrocketed because of supply and demand and all that kind of stuff. The construction in Wilton actually exceeded half a million dollars. Wilton was set to help fund it, but not fund it all. And, we did, and, and I mean, Kingdom Builders was set to f- help fund Wilton, but it not fund it all. And, uh, and yet, we were able to fund all of, 
all of, uh, of that construction without borrowing a single penny. That's amazing. But that's not all. <clears throat> that's not all. Uh, last year, through Kingdom Builders, we were also able, we, got a, we had a Joseph Gordon from India reach out to us and say, hey, our pastors, they, they're starving. There's, there's no income. They don't have food. We, would you help us? And we, through Kingdom Builders, sent $40,000 to India to help feed pastors in India for several months and help house them. On top of that, there was a massive earthquake that hit Haiti. Uh, we didn't hear a whole lot about it this time just because we were kind of taken up with all of the COVID, the COVID media and, and our own domestic issues here, a lot of pol political stuff on, on the news here. But um, we, they reached out to us as well. Convoy of Hope reached out to us, one of our partners, and we were able to give $50,000 to Convoy of Hope to help um, alleviate some of the issues that they were facing in, 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 um, in Haiti. As well as all of that, there's another crisis that may, you may not have heard of. It's called the Rohingya refugee crisis in Bangladesh. Um, the Rohingya refugees are actually, the Rohingya people are, in, are Muslims who live in Burma, or Myanmar is the country, and they're persecuted because they're Muslims. So over the decades, hundreds of thousands of them have been, there's been a genocide happening. Hundreds of thousands have been killed just for being Muslim and for being a different people group. Those people have now started coming over the border into Bangladesh, and there's this massive, I mean massive, one of the largest refugee camps on, on the face of the earth, right across the border in Bangladesh in an area called Cox's Bazaar. Millions of people, millions of people just crowded into these, there's no running water, there's sewer, I mean, it's just a disastrous place. Well, a pastor, from, a pastor I know from Bangladesh reached out to me and said, we want to plant a church among the Rohingya and bring, and bring help to them, will you help us? And so you sent $15,000 to get them started by paying for a pastor to be there and helping them secure a place to rent so they can start having church services. So right now, among the Rohingya people, there is a church that you help plant among the Rohingya refugees right now in Bangladesh. Not only have we done, we've done many more things internationally, but also we've done some things locally. There's a young man by the name of Dylan McNeely. You know that Dylan, he's actually preached here before. Dylan has been kind of, he's traveled around as kind of an evangelist, a speaker in, in youth conferences and things like that. But then God, a couple years ago, told him, hey, you're going to plant a church. And so he came and told me he was going to plant a church, asked me to be on his board, and so I'm on his board. And he, last, this past fall, planted a church in Huntington, West Virginia. And this is one of the, he sent me a picture, I was like, Send me a better picture next time, Dylan. This is kind of blurry. But anyway, send me a picture of what they're doing. You helped Dylan get that church started in Huntington, West Virginia. This past summer, we uh, sent a team to Des Moines to work in the Des Moines Dream Center. Many of you were part of that team, right? And so we had a clean out. So I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I chickened out. I went one day only because those basements were nasty, and we were cleaning out basements. I mean, stuff that's been there for 50 or more years, I think. And we were cleaning that stuff up. But we cleaned out these basements. And then uh, there was another team that basically remodeled the entire first floor, repainted, put new appliances in it and, and everything. And you, through Kingdom Builders, helped that happen. Again, thank you. Morgan Van Zanti, here's a young lady. I'm trying to do this quickly. Morgan Van Zanti, she's a, a young girl who came, to, came, came here to Iowa City to go to college was lost, not really serving the Lord, but then 
found Jesus through Chi Alpha and then just fell in love with Jesus and fell in love with following him and, and, and basically serving him with her whole heart. She decided to leave her dental school training and, and uh, go into ministry. Now she's moved up to Fargo, North Dakota, where she's getting her ministry training done. And you, through Kingdom Build, helped her pay, help pay for her training up in Fargo, North Dakota. I mean, this is mo- there's many, many other ways that this is happening. And it's not just Kingdom Builders. Also, one of the things that we've done from the very beginning is that we have allocated. So Kingdom Builders is one part. There's another part that we do for missions. 10% of everything that comes in, when you tithe, we take 10% of your tithe and we allocate that to mission. We, as a church, have decided if we're going to ask you to tithe, then we as a church are going to tithe. And so 10% of everything that comes in, we take it out and we allocate it specifically to mission. So last year alone, over 165,000 above and beyond Kingdom Builders was given to mission support, whether it's foreign missionaries across, you know, supporting missionaries around the world, also through Servolution here locally. I mean, there's been so much activity. In fact, I did some math this past week, and um, in the last six years, 27% of everything that's come in in the last six years has gone, has left the building. That is. $2.125 million in the last six years you have given that has then been turned around and given towards missions. <clears throat> Listen, this is an all-in for Jesus kind of philosophy that we have here at Life Church when it comes to generosity. We've given this much money away. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but we don't even own our own building yet. You might think, well, that's irresponsible, Rich. Shouldn't you take this money and use it? Listen, I I, I want us to have our own building at some point. But I want to make some noise in heaven. (laughs) I want, I want us, like if we never get a building, I want to be able to go to heaven one day and look across that vast crowd and see a Rohingya refugee worshiping Jesus because you gave money towards kingdom builders so that they can be there. That is more important. The sacrifice is worth it. The sacrifice is worth it. That's why I don't apologize for talking about money because this is what we're doing. We're all about building his kingdom. His kingdom, not our kingdom. This building, 100 years from now, may not exist anymore. But his kingdom will be forever and ever and ever, and that's what we're going to invest in. Amen? Amen. So this woman, she gives these two copper coins, and, you know, when I think about it, excuse me, part of me is like, well, Jesus, I mean, I would expect Jesus to say something like, that's all she has. I mean, it's just nothing, really. So I think Jesus should have told her, hey, just keep it. You don't, you don't need to keep it. I mean, you don't need to just give it. Just, just keep it. It's not very much. Buy yourself some food if you can. Don't, don't, don't do this. I kind of like would expect Jesus to do that for this, young, for this woman, this poor widow, right, who doesn't have much. But see, I think Jesus knows his father. And Jesus knows that his father sees her. And that his father is going to take care of her. And he doesn't want to rob her of the blessing that she has. <clears throat> and so what he does instead is he directs our attention to her. In fact, I don't think there's a single person in history that has been a better example of generosity than this poor widow woman who gave 
the two mites, the, uh, the two coins, the, the mite. <clears throat> so I want to take a few minutes to, see, to talk about how Jesus sees more. Okay, how does he see more? Psalm 24, one says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Okay, the earth is the Lord and how much is, how much is it in it? Everything, okay? So everything is the Lord's. You agree with me on that one? Everything is the Lord's. So if you have everything, do you need more? It's an easy question. I mean, if it's all yours, like if it's all yours and more is not even a concept, right? I mean, because you can't have more if it's already yours, right? And so more is just this interesting concept that Jesus has. So when Jesus defines more, see, we see more as I, I have this much, but I don't have that, so I want more, so I need that over there, right? But when everything is the Lord's, you don't need more. So that's how Jesus is looking at this, right? He's measuring things differently than we do. So when Jesus defines more, first of all, he defines like this. It's not by the portion, but it's by the proportion. It's not by the portion. The portion in this case, in this story, was just two copper coins. It's not, va- not very valuable in our currency. But the proportion was, it was all she had. It's not much, but it's all she had. And so when Jesus measures more, he's measuring it not so much by the amount, like for Jesus, you know, $10 and a million dollars, it's just relative, it's not a big deal. There's no big difference between them. But for Jesus, proportion is different. I remember when I was a missionary, we were missionaries in Bangladesh, and I got invited to preach at a, a church uh, in, a t- in a village called Ramshil. Now, Ramshil is, uh, I mean, it, I had to get to, to get to Ramshil, I had to catch a bus from Dhaka City, ride eight hours to a place where I got off the bus, then got onto what's called a baby taxi, like a three-wheel motorized vehicle, got on this baby taxi for another two hours or so, got off this little baby taxi, then got on a rickshaw, three-wheel bicycle, and went down this like dirt path for a couple hours, <laughs> and then got off the bicycle and got on a boat, because there was no more road, and it was a boat now, and I got on a boat and I rode into, uh, we yeah, rode into uh, uh, Ramshil, the village of Ramshil, got there late, late that night. I mean, get, got off right off the boat, and the pastor's waiting for us, okay, pastor, brother, you're gonna preach, you know? So I preach at night, this is me right here, by the way, if you don't think, I, I used to have black hair and a black beard, I don't anymore, but I used to, and this is a guy named Oshru, he was a, He's, he's no longer alive, but he was with us. I don't know who this guy was. He just sat there the whole night. I, I have no idea who he was. He just sat there at that table. But um, so I preached, you know, did a normal service there and uh, uh, made an invitation for salvation. Several people kind of got up and we prayed for salvation, that kind of stuff. And then after the service, which is interesting, that after the service, they take up the offering. Women are on one side, men on the other side. And so the women with little, little, you know, those felt bags, you know, men with the felt bags, they start going up and down passing out these offering bags, and then they, the Bengalis, the way they give very interestingly, they, they put the money in their palm like this, like you can't see it, and then the bag comes by, and they go, they stick their hand way in the bag, and then they pull it out, and I, I, was, jo- I was joked about it, it's like that, they took money out, I think, so that, they didn't really take money out, but, they, but they, that's what they do, you know, <clears throat> and so they took up the offering, uh, after they took up the offering, goes up, he had, the pastor said, hey, pastor, will you come pray, so I got up and I prayed over the offering, 
And then I was about to sit down and he stopped me. He turns the things upside down, empties out the offering and starts counting it right in front of me. Mostly little one taka notes, you know. And the total offering amounted to about 120 taka, which is about $3 in U.S. currency. And... uh, kind of laid it out, made it not, you know, it's old, nasty-looking money, but he kind of folded it, and then he kind of, in a bowing motion, came up to me and just kind of handed it to me. And I'm thinking, I, no, no, that, that's for you. That's for this church. Keep it. But he's handed me $3. And he wouldn't let me say no. He just gave it to me, you know? And so I took the offering, and... So I think about that moment. <clears throat> I think about this poor widow. Like she gave all she had and Pastor Nerotone was giving all he had. I've spoken for 35 years. I've preached, I've received, I've been given offerings for many, many years. But you know the biggest offering I ever received? Three dollars. Three dollars because it was all they had. It's the proportion, not the portion. Jesus also defines the word more by the sum, but not not by the sum, but by the sacrifice. Not by the sum, but by the sacrifice. Like it's not the amount, but the amount of sacrifice that's involved in it, right? And so we join with King David when he says, I'm not gonna give, I'm not gonna offer to the Lord anything that doesn't cost me anything. Like there's a sacrifice of others. Appreciation and gratitude is best expressed when there's sacrifice involved. And I believe with all my heart that's why God has blessed us here at Life Church. Because throughout the years we've had to make some sacrifices. We've had to make decisions. We choose to sacrifice for someone else instead of for ourselves. And God has been faithful and he's provided for us in just amazing ways. One of my personal practices here as a pastor I try really hard, this doesn't always, I'm not successful at it only because somebody tells me, but I try real hard to not know what you give. Like, like, I don't, like I look right now and I don't know what you give, okay? I try real hard not to know that um, because I don't want to measure in a way that God's not measuring. Like what if... The most generous person at Life Church is not the CEO who gives $1,000 a week. What if the most generous person at Life Church is a poor, a, a poor single mom who gives $10 a week? What if that's what's really making noise in heaven right now? See, this puts us in a position when we say, God, it's not about how much, it's really about, it's really about the proportion. It puts us in a position to trust him with what we have. And I believe that's the, that's the discipleship journey. That's the reset that we need to make for 2022 is that you and I need to make a decision. I'm gonna trust you with all that I have, not just the few things I can control, but with everything that I have, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. So last week I challenged you to be more generous this year than last year. And for some of you, that means you're gonna start tithing. Like you're gonna put it on the front end. Like normally what oftentimes is defined as tithe is I, I get my check, I pay all my bills, and then whatever's left over, I figure out how to give that, give some from that. That's not tithing. Tithing is when you say, <clears throat> it's when you say, God, you're first in my life, 
And so I get my check and I'm gonna cut 10% off and I'm gonna give it to you, you're first. Some of you are gonna make that choice. Others of you are gonna alter the proportion. You're gonna go from, maybe you're tithing, but you're gonna go from 10% to 12% or 13% or 15%. Some of you might say, well, um, no, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep tithing 10%, but I'm gonna make a commitment to kingdom builders this year because God has amazing things in store for 2022 and building his kingdom, so I wanna to commit to kingdom builders this year. And you'll have that opportunity in March. You know, as you look at scripture, as you look at sacrifice in scriptures, often giving is always seems to be always in the context of sacrifice. And it's this idea that I'm, you know, I'm giving something now, I'm sacrificing now to receive something later, something better later. Right? That's oftentimes how giving and sacrifice is used in scripture. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 19. He says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields. In other words, those are sacrifices made. Anyone who's left all of these things for my sake. Like somehow or another, I detach myself from what I want. And for the sake of Christ, I'm going to make the sacrifice. For my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Wow. Now that's an opportunity. That's a 10,000% rate of return. How many of you want to invest in something that has a 10,000% rate of return? Amen. I want that. Now obviously, you know, heaven doesn't operate in U.S. currency. <laughs> so so Jesus, Jesus is not talking about dollars. He's not saying $1 is $100 and $1,000 is $100,000. That's not what he's saying. But he's not being hyperbolic here either. He's not exaggerating just so you, to make you feel like you need to do something. I think what Jesus is trying to communicate to us here through this passage is saying, listen, when you sacrifice for the kingdom of God, when you say, I'm going to put on pause what I want here now, for God's sake, for his kingdom, that there is something that you can't even imagine in store for you in the future. <clears throat> He's going to give rewards. And some of those rewards will happen now, and many of those will be when we're in heaven. But I don't want to be in heaven. That's why I don't apologize about talking about this. Because I don't want to be in heaven one day, and I was afraid to talk about it, and then God is handing out his reward, and, and you're, you're there next to me, you're like, seriously, Rich? You didn't think about telling me about this? About this opportunity to be a part of building your kingdom, God's kingdom? Seriously? <clears throat> See, generosity is an opportunity for us. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity where we humbly say, God, I want to join with you in building your kingdom. And so what if, what if today you were to make a commitment to be more generous in 2022? Oh, not because Life Church needs it. Obviously, we do have needs. But that's not the reason why. I've said this many times before. I want something for you. I don't want something from you. I want you to live in that life where you know that you're a part of building his kingdom. So what if in 2022 you choose to be more generous than you were in 2021 with this in mind that one day you're going to be in heaven and you're going to look a lot across that vast crowd of people and you're going to see some Rohingya refugees there. You're going to see some University of Iowa students there. 
You're going to see some people from Huntington, West Virginia that you, don't ha- you have no clue who they are, but they'll be there and they'll all be worshiping God. And they may come up to you. They may say, hey, I, you know what? Nobody else saw. Nobody else saw, but I saw it. You gave to kingdom builders. You gave. You tithed. You were faithful in the here and now. You sacrificed in the here and now. Here's your reward then. That's why we give. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. So the challenge for us, we're going to close here in worship in just a second. The challenge for us, excuse me, is generosity. I don't always define tithing as generosity. I define tithing more as just my... uh, my commitment to Jesus to make him number one in my life. And generosity is above and beyond that. <clears throat> so I'm challenging you to be committed, to say, Jesus, I'm all in for you. I'm gonna kick this new year off with making you number one in my life. So that's a challenge, and it's a choice you make. The most spiritual thing you can do here today is make a choice to be generous. Now, we have prayer teams here and left and right, and I want to encourage if you're here, you need prayer for anything. Maybe you're sick in your body and you need healing. They'll pray with you if you're here and there's some challenges going on in your relationship with your spouse or with children and just find yourself at an impasse or here to pray with you. I encourage you to step out and pray with them. But it's what we're going to do. We're going to close the service in, with some worship. <clears throat> and while we're worshiping, that's your opportunity to step out and for prayer. And before you leave this place, make the decision. Jesus... 2022, I want to be generous. I want to be like this widow who operates with this different concept of more. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace. Father, all of us in this room right now are here simply by your grace, by your mercy. You have been faithful to us. And God, there's just uh, nothing, everything that we have, Lord, is just from you, Lord. And we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful for your generosity towards us. Now, Lord, we're asking, Father, as we look ahead into the future, as we reset our thinking about money, Lord God, that we would put you as first in our lives and become people who are generous. People who operate with a different understanding of what more means. It's not the portion, it's the proportion. It's not the sum, it's the sacrifice. So right now, Father, will you help us to make that commitment? And Lord, may 2022 and the years following be a year of years of revival here at Life Church and the lives of people who have never met you before. In Jesus' name.